Thank you for listening to this presentation hosted by the Durham University Center for Catholic Studies, a center for Catholic theology in the Public Academy. For more information, visit centerforcatholicstudies.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at CCSDHAM. The following lecture was presented in November 2019 at a conference on the Franciscan legacy, a conference hosted by the Centre for Catholic Studies and sponsored by the Franciscan families of the UK and Ireland. This lecture by William J. Short is entitled Bartholomew of Pisa's Liber de Conformitate. At a gathering something like this, um, nearly 20 years ago, uh, we were in Canterbury at the uh, late lamented Franciscan International Study Center. Uh, I was there with Regis Armstrong and Wayne Hellman to present our uh, third volume of the series of Francis of Assisi early documents. And that a different picker. <laughs> That's the right. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, we had worked on volume one uh, to produce the documents relating to Francis of Assisi from the years 1209 to 1228, from the time of his canonization. We then followed that with the second generation of early Franciscan texts in volume two, The Saint tracing the development from 1240 up until 1270, basically the generation of uh, the second Cholano uh, through the influence of Bonaventure's Legenda Mayo. And what we were doing at Canterbury at that time, and then later at Glasgow in the same week, uh, was introducing volume three, The Prophet, uh, which takes us up to 1385. Uh, 1365, I'm sorry. This is the strange volume full of the literature of the spirituals, of the, uh, the influence, the strong influence of Joachimism uh, on not only in the center but on the fringes of the order. And it concludes with the most famous and most frequently cited of Franciscan sources, The Little Flowers, with an almost odd appendix called De Cognazione, uh, the kinship of St. Francis by Arnold of Salon. And at this point, we thought that might be the end. Uh, those were more than enough doorstops uh, for any prior omnibus. And we had already uh, decided that the earlier red omnibus was much too big, so we broke it into three volumes and thought that would be the end of the story. But not so. The rumor that I have heard and it's only a rumor, is that Sister Frances Teresa Downing was responsible for coming up with a project for a friend of ours who ended up being the person who undertook the great task of removing a roadblock to further development in English translations of early Franciscan sources. His name is Christopher Stace, a Cambridge-educated classics scholar, uh, as editions of Plautus, and backed into things Franciscan, uh, working on translations of Chilano on his own. Uh, he was looking for another project, and at the launch in Canterbury, when he heard 
that we were not able to move forward because there was a, a, a huge text, a kind of Everest of Franciscan literature sitting right in the middle. It had never been translated into a foreign language since, it, into a modern language, uh, since its writing in the late 14th century. And that book is the book of the conformities of the life of the blessed and seraphic Father Francis to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, or Liber Conformitati. By now I can say Chris Stace is my friend. Uh, I, he didn't know, I think, at the time what he was getting into. He simply said, I'll translate it. And he now has. <laughs> um, and that's what I'm here to present to you today. Uh, this is one of those texts of the early Franciscan tradition uh, that everyone cites and no one has read. Uh, that's a quotation actually from Paul Sabatier. Uh, and it comes from a friar, Bartholomew of Pisa, who wrote it during the years 1385 to 1390. Uh, it's a massive work. Uh, it's going to be three volumes itself uh, in the English translation with apparatus. It's a, a monument of Franciscan sources as they were known in the late 14th century. This is the, the church of the convento at San Francesco in Pisa. It was also a studium of the order. It was here that Bartholomew himself studied and later lectured. Uh, and it's our fond hope that this coming spring it will be the site of the book launch for the book of the Conformities, which was composed there. And in fact, we hope to hold that event in the chapter room of the house where Bonaventure was elected to his second term as Minister General. For those of you who have not uh, used this as bedside reading for the last year, I just want to refresh your memories that the Book of Conformities is a work that took up the last years of Bonavich, uh, Bartholomew's life. Uh, we think that he died around 1400, about a year after the, the book was approved for copying and dissemination. He was educated at Padua and studied also at uh, his home studium in Pisa and was a lector at the Studia of the Order in Florence and in Bologna. In 1373, the general chapter had stationed, uh, had assigned him uh, to go to assume uh, the lectureship at Cambridge, but he was prevented by the unpleasantness between France and England at the time, and he ended up actually lecturing in Bologna. Uh, and it was as a result of his work in Bologna that he eventually was granted uh, the title of master by Papal Indult in 1375. During the years 1385 to 90, he composed uh, this vast work. It is to be matched only by his equally large work on the Book of the Conformities of the Life of the Virgin Mary to the Life of Our Lord Jesus Christ and several hefty volumes of Lenten sermon cycles. Uh, so he was a prolific writer. The Franciscan general chapter in Assisi in 1399 
finished its process of review of the text and gave its wholehearted endorsement to the dissemination of the Book of the Conformities. It was so popular that the problems of the manuscript tradition are immense. There are dozens of manuscripts of the entire work, uh, usually taking several uh, codices, and we'll see in a moment, it also has several early printed editions. 1510, 1513, uh, 1590, uh, and a reprint in 1620 before it kind of goes out of print for 300 years. As we'll see, it became an object of ridicule uh, during the Reformation, and that kind of cooled its editorial chances for the future. The, the Book of Conformities is constructed along the model of a great tree, uh, a tree that is uh, represented here in its 1513 edition, and the tree is composed of 20 branches. Each branch contains two fruits, each fruit is made up of two parts. The first part, the event in the life of Jesus, which is going to be considered uh, with all the scriptural commentary that is attached to it. And the second part of each fruit, a corresponding event in the life of St. Francis. The, the conceit of a tree as the organizing principle makes us think of the tree of life, the lignum vitae, of Bonaventure, which is certainly quoted in the text. Uh, Bonaventure is quoted on almost every page of the text. But I think it may have a specific reference to this tree of life by Tadeo Gaddi, which was finished in the mid-1350s on the wall of the great refectory of the Priory at Santa Croce in Florence, which means that Friar Bartholomew would have taken his meals for years underneath this newly completed fresco. At the base of this great tree, of course, is St. Francis embracing the trunk of the tree, and St. Bonaventure writing down carefully with his bishop's mitre uh, on writing what we will come to know as the lignum vitae, the tree of life. The Assisi General Chapter of 1399 gave this hearty endorsement to the text. The work which you have composed with the favor of God's clemency, and which is entitled Of the Conformity of the Life of Blessed Francis to the Life of Our Lord Jesus Christ, we have had diligently scrutinized, discussed, and examined, together with the tree, which you presented to us in person, and we have found nothing deserving of correction, only praise. While th thanking you for your prudence in this matter, we hereby freely grant you permission both to have the tree itself depicted and to make the work known to those who wish to see and copy it. The iconography of the tree itself seems to be an important part of the dissemination of this text. It serves as an easy reminder and as an easy teaching point for a very complex uh, series of arguments that are going to be put forth in the text itself. 
example from the 1510 edition by Gotthard de Ponte in uh, Milan of Francis at the base of the tree and one of the examples, this is from fruit number 10, of how, Bonavent, uh, how Bartholomew works with the text. Jesus doctor mirabilis, Franciscus predicator. So, Jesus the wonderful teacher, and Francis the preacher. In this, as in all of the other 39 fruits, an extensive uh, exegesis of the teaching of Jesus is done as the first part of the fruit. And this is where Bartholomew is clearly showing off his erudition as a master of theology. Uh, all of the pertinent scriptural quotations from Old and New Testament are invoked. We're still in a medieval exegesis of the various senses of those texts with the commentaries in the gloss and then sometimes extended comments from one or more authors in the gloss on what the meaning of the biblical text is. He then goes on to invoke Franciscan masters who have commented on the text. Uh, as we might expect, he has a special affection for other Franciscan authors. And some 62 Franciscan masters of the 13th and 14th century are quoted either extensively or in brief summaries in the course of his work. In the second part of this fruit, where he's going to speak about the preaching of Francis, he will begin with examples not only taken from rather well-known Franciscan sources, like the Legenda Maior, but also, surprisingly, works that we thought would have been suppressed after the general chapter in Paris in 1266, which forbade the, the keeping, uh, even the preservation, of earlier legende of Francis. Bartholomew is a good uh, witness to the survival of those texts into the late 14th century, which is just to say the fuckers didn't obey. Uh, don't mean to shock you. Uh, but, and to be fair, neither did the Cistercians, thanks be to God. They didn't see any reason to obey Franciscan general chapters. <laughs> of the Franciscan sources in the conformities, I thought this might be of particular interest to this gathering to see what we've got here in terms of the 14th century omnibus of sources. We certainly have the writings of Francis and a very complete collection. I'll go through that in more detail in a moment. We have a very good sampling of 13th century hagiographical texts and those 14th century texts that take us right up to Arnold of Sauron, the Decognazione, written just 20 years before uh, the work of Bartholomew. We also have several references to early Franciscan catalogs of saints uh, that are used for hagiographical information. We have some of the standard Franciscan chronicles that we would expect to see there. We also have works on Franciscan geography. One of the great, uh, one of the great problems with this text is its very detailed listing of the, the places of the Franciscan order at the time of its writing. Uh, the making of the maps for this volume is a huge challenge. Uh, 
I'll simply tell you that I now, I now know more about Franciscan places in Dagostan than I ever intended to know. <laughs> but to conclude this, I also want to mention an odd bit that is not usually in our Franciscan sources, but could make a very curious volume. These are the Franciscan forgeries. Uh, these are prophecies and oracles attributed to very eminent ancient authors, which in fact were invented out of whole cloth, sometimes with their authors themselves being invented by Franciscans of the 13th century. More about that later, movie rights to follow. <laughs> the writings of St. Francis. When Cajetan Esser and more recently Carlo Paolazzi did their critical editions of the writings of Francis, you may be surprised to see that one of the sources, one of the printed sources that they use, is early editions of the Book of the Conformities to confirm or to correct certain readings of early Franciscan writings of Francis himself. He has many of the saints' prayers, including the prayer uh, on the Our Father, or the paraphrase of the Our Father, the praises to be said at all the hours, the antiphon of the Office of the Passion, though he doesn't quote from uh, the Psalms of the Office of the Passion. He includes many of the praises or laude of Francis, the canticle of Brother Son in Umbrian vernacular, a very important source, the salutation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the often associated salutation of the virtues. The Chartula, Chartula of Assisi, containing the blessing and the praises of God, once said to be for Brother Leo. Now, questions. Among the saints' letters, he has the letter to the faithful, or later exhortation, to the brothers and sisters of penance, the letter to a minister, and the letter to the entire order. He's he has a good collection of the rules and admonitions, the, the admonitions in their entirety with commentary, the earlier rule of the non volata, the later rule, the rule for hermitages and the testament, as well as that logion of Francis, the testament of Siena, uh, which we don't include uh, in our edition of the writings of Francis, but many do, including the Italian Fonti. And the French, I think, also. We did it. No, no, we did it. They're very, very good. Work. The works of Francis. That, oh, that's a good thing. The works of Francis that are not cited. This is interesting. These are like the dogs that didn't bark. The prayer before the crucifix. Doesn't seem to know that. Uh, the exhortation to the praise of God. As far as we know, at least what Wadding knew of it, it was just written on a panel. Uh, in a hermitage at uh, Chesi the Terni. Uh, the Office of the Passion, the Psalms that Francis composed there are not cited. Uh, and a letter to clerics, first and second, or longer and shorter uh, versions, doesn't seem to know those. And he doesn't know the letter to the rulers of the people. And that's understandable if we think of the difficulty we had in finding that text in only one manuscript, which I think is in Spain. Other works that are not cited are uh, the letter to Brother Leo, the Cartula of Spoleto, 
perhaps understandably, a personal letter. The letter to Brother Anthony of Padua. The letter to the faithful in the earlier form, the earlier uh, exhortation. The first and second letter to the custodians. That's somewhat surprising, because that would have been distributed widely. And the canticle of exhortation for Claire and the sisters at San Damiano, Audite Poverele. Well, also there is a vernacular writing. It was hiding in plain sight uh, for many years, and only Father Lazzari seemed to recognize it was a work of Francis. So maybe Bartholomew is not to be blamed there. As far as hagiographical texts, what was Bartholomew's generation familiar with? And the old idea that they only read the Legenda Maior, uh, I think, is very frankly disproved by this text. Uh, first of all, he does not cite the life of St. Francis by Thomas of Chimano. There's no evidence in this huge text that he knew Thomas uh, in, in, the first, in the first life. That would argue that that was the text that suffered the most after the decree of 1266. Um, he doesn't know the legend for use in the choir, which may have suffered the same fate. Um, and he certainly doesn't know the Vita, Brevior, or Rediscovered Life, because he never met Jacques. So uh, <laughs> the Dallarin text was unknown to him. It would have been very interesting if we had found some evidence of it. Uh, you would have liked uh, You would have liked it, sorry. <laughs> Um, but look at the other 13th century texts. These are Samitza. These are supposedly underground. Uh, this is a you know, Inquisition list of forbidden books. He cites them very freely, the legend of the three companions, very frequently. Thomas of Chalano, the remembrance. No problem with propagating that at all. The treatise on the miracles. In fact, he lights in that one. Uh, the major legend, of course. Every fruit in its second part on the life of St. Francis is structured around the corresponding chapters and verses of the Legenda Maior. He also has some references to the Legenda Minor, not quite as frequent. And he quotes from Bernard of Bessa the book of the praises of Blessed Francis, very specifically written not with the title of Legenda. Uh, he also knows the small document of the instrumentum, the document on the stigmata of St. Francis, and the sayings of Brother Giles, uh, which apparently circulated very widely. Among the 14th century texts that he quotes with approval and sometimes with hesitation, Ubertino da Casale, the life, the crucified life of Jesus, the laws of Jacopone Gattori, what he calls Legenda Vetus, the old legend, which is also included in our three-volume collection, the mirror of perfection in the Sabatier edition, and he doesn't know that Lemon's edition, as we call it, and he knows, knows the deeds of Blessed Francis and Companions, the, the Latin original for the Italian Fiorezzi. Other treatises that may be less well-known but are given particular importance here are Francesco di Bartolo's treatise on the indulgence of the Porziuncula. Uh, still a controversial point, 
and one that he wants to support uh, with all of his uh, erudition. The words of Brother Conrad of Alfida, these texts would be considered flat-out support for the spiritual cause by someone who's a member of the mainline community of the order. Uh, a great sympathy for these authors. And Arnold of Saron's The Kinship, the place where this process of talking about conformity or likeness between individual details of the life of Francis and the life of Christ really begins to gain steam. Though it had been mentioned earlier by Bonaventure, it really picks up in the mid-14th century. And finally, the little text of the anonymous considerations on the sacred stigmata, which may have been completed in 1385, the year that Bartholomew began writing. These Franciscan catalogs of saints also provide him with a lot of material uh, for lists of important personages of all three Franciscan orders. Thomas of Pavia, the dialogue of Dialogus de Gestis Sanctorum, uh, many early Franciscan saints and blesseds are mentioned there, and a 14th century compendium called the Catalogus Sanctorum Fratrum. Uh, from early uh, 1330s. He also has the hagiographical dossiers of many important and lesser known Franciscan saints. Uh, certainly Anthony, Claire, Giles, and many, many others. The chronicles, the, the usual suspects are, uh, are present. Thomas of Eccleston, um, the Chronicle of Jordan of Jano, and Salimbene, but look at this, Angelo Clareno's uh, Chronicle or History of the Tribulations. Certainly a clarion call for the spiritual cause, uh, cited here without difficulty. Uh, and the Chronicle of the 24 Generals, also written by Arnold of Saron. And ending with the Minister General number 24, Leonardo Rossi, who died just a few years before Bartholomew began his work. But I mentioned Dagestan earlier, and I want to return there. Uh, the works on Franciscan geography, uh, curious ones. One, the Provinciale by Paulino of Pauzuoli or Paulino of Venice, giving a listing of each province by vicariate, custody, and place of the order uh, in the 1340s along with the names of the significant friars associated with that place. Some misunderstandings, Bartholomew doesn't always get his reading of the, the places right. So we have the uh, Johannes Water 48. Uh, Bartholomew puts him in the province of Dacia, or Denmark, when I think we're in Waterford in Ireland. <laughs> this can be forgiven because I had to look this up, certainly. Tana, now called Asov in the southern part of Russia, is mistaken for Tana near Mumbai in India, the place of the martyrdom of Brother Thomas of Tolentino. But for those of you who enjoy taking drugs, the most interesting part are the prophecies and oracles. Uh, 
These include genuine works of Joa from the Fiore, uh, which you can read when sober, but then he <laughs> includes some others that get increasingly bizarre as we stray from the text of Joachim. We have the Concordia, or the Liber Concordiae, of the Old and New Testaments, uh, the exposition on the book of Revelation, which was controversial at the time. And even though the text is cited, Joachim's name, Joachim of Fiore, his name is not associated with it here. And the ten-stringed uh, psaltery. The, the documents of Joachim, however, have been altered by Franciscan forgers. Uh, the first one, the Liber Concordiae, has been contaminated in the manuscript tradition that Bartholomew knows by people close to the spiritual cause uh, in the late 13th century. Uh, they have made interpolations which Bartholomew understandably considers part of the authentic text of Joachim. There's also a text entirely fabricated uh, by Franciscan forgers with some help, uh, the commentary of Joachim on Jeremiah, which he never wrote. Uh, some very curious prophecies, Vaticinia, about St. Francis, especially those of the Eritrean Sibyl at the time of King Priam, uh, who was lucky enough to describe the events of Franciscan <coughs> conflict with the papacy uh, before Troy. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't see a problem with that. <laughs> perhaps my favorite, the, the divine or angelic oracle of the great uh, general of the Carmelites, Cyril of Constantinople, uh, both the oracle and the author were invented by Franciscans. <laughs> Here is Pseudo-Joachim, uh, or Franciscan Pseudo-Joachim, uh, the commentary on Jeremiah from the mid-13th century. And here is Joachim himself, uh, associated with the Liber Concordiae, whose interpolations advance the cause of the Franciscan spiritual. <coughs> Cyril of Constantinople, um, I think my new bumper sticker, uh, support Cyril, uh, prophesied thus, Blessed Francis and his order, uh, this is Bartholomew explaining it, were also proclaimed by Cyril, the priest and archbishop of Mount Carmel, to whom, while celebrating Mass, an angel of the Lord brought two tablets written in Greek, with the instructions that he should write down their contents and translate them into Latin and send them to the Western Church. But since the wording of the prophecy is extremely obscure, he sent it for interpretation and elucidation to Joachim at Fiore, who explained its meaning. And this is how we get the divine oracle of St. Cyril Carmelite of Constantinople, uh, raised to the dignity of first general of the Carmelites uh, before he was shown not to exist. <laughs> Cyril prophesied, God bless him, uh, prophesied the coming of Francis. The excellence of Blessed Francis is evident from Cyril's testimony. What his order was in the beginning, what it will be in its midlife, and its end as regard to morals. Finally, it's evident from the revelations made to Blessed Francis that the order will endure till the day of judgment. Here we have the reply of Joachim, also concocted by Franciscans, 
to Cyril of Constantinople, who was created by Franciscus, <laughs> printed in a very handy book where you can consult these. And the Eritrean Sibyl, uh, who made all those wonderful prophecies at the time of King Priam, made it onto the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel uh, with the help of Franciscan prophecies uh, of the 1240s. 1516, uh, sad to be left behind, Bartholomew went to America. Uh, the Flemish observant friars at Cumana in Venezuela took the Book of the Conformities with them. In 1522, of the two Franciscan books that were taken to uh, by the Twelve Apostles to Mexico, the most important was the Book of Conformities, and in fact is listed in the earliest inventory of the Friars Library at Texcoco. As we heard in our opening lecture, in the 1540s, the Book of, Conform the Book of Conformities was subject to attack by Erasmus Albert and by Martin Luther. Uh, a parody of the Conformities appeared as the, uh, the Eulenspiegel, the, uh, the joker of the barefoot monks that alleges that friars and others worship St. Francis, taking selective bits from part two of each fruit or conformity. It appeared in English as the Al-Quran of the Barefoot Friars, <coughs> of blasphemies and trifling doctrines of the wounded idol St. Francis. Originally printed in London by Richard Grafton, where he had moved his printing house into the old Grey Friars that had been suppressed. Along comes the Koraki edition to save the day in 1906, the first uh, semi-critical or scholarly edition of the Book of Conformities in about 300 years. Between 1906 and 1912, in two volumes of Analectia Franciscana, uh, the Koraki editions put out the full text of Bartholomew. Later in the 20th century, Carolee Erickson, in her doctoral work at Columbia, published a work pointing to the importance of the conformities in Franciscan history, followed by a masterful article in 1972 on the same subject. In our own century, just a few years ago, in 2012, an Italian Franciscan, Alessandro Mastro Matteo, published his doctoral dissertation at the Antonianum on the Christiform profile of Francis in the Book of the Conformities. Uh, just three years ago, uh, Brother Noel Muscat of the Maltese province published an Italian translation of the Eighth Fruit and Conformity. Uh, this is the Dagostan piece, the, the Franciscan geography, all of the places, uh, calling it La Familia Feconda di Francesco. Uh, the fruitful family of Francis. The first complete translation of the, the text uh, from the Kouraki edition has been finished now, as I mentioned, by my good friend Christopher Stace, and I've done some introduction and notes for it. It's currently at press, in between sessions I'm correcting proofs here, and we hope to be in Pisa for a bun fight in uh, spring of 2020 for the book launch. We even have a pretty cover for it. Uh, so this is the shameless commerce division of, uh, of New City Press here. 
It's going to be called Francis of Assisi Early Documents, Volume 4, The Conformity, in three parts. 4.1 will be the manifestation, 4.2 will be the proclamation, and 4.3 the exaltation, corresponding to the three books in which bon uh, Bartholomew divided <coughs> his work. I hope that you'll all think of Christmas giving next year. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time.